It's the first day of fall. It's the first day of training camp. The times are a-changing, but one thing that won't change is Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. You know we'll be here for you to cover all things avalanche. So, of course, as promised, after the first day of training camp, Arif and I, JJ Jerez here, the host, to break down training camp day one, right? Um, it was definitely an interesting and weird day. Uh, I wouldn't say weird. I guess just untraditional different. compared to years past. Different. Um, and we, we heard that from Jared Bednar, right? Once media day happened on Wednesday, he kind of said right away that he's, he's planning on approaching training camp a little bit differently this year. And we saw it. I mean, having two completely separate groups this year is something we haven't seen in years past for sure, right? You tend They tend to mix a good, healthy combination of the veterans and the bubble players and the guys who are the first scratches. Usually they're pretty well uh, mixed in, in session one and session two, and we didn't see that today, did we, Arif? No, it was uh, very obviously heaven heavy heavy load of veterans in the first group and and it was really strange it was a whole bunch of veterans and it was our boy seventh round draft pick Ivan Zhigalov skating with the veterans I thought that was really cool and then no I like that I think I think that tells you a little bit of something yeah. right like let's read right let's read into that a little bit and he might immediately jump in as your as your favorite for the number three spot yeah I mean Yusuf Sandinen obviously is still there they brought in uh Jonas Johansson they brought him back this summer as that veteran third string goalie kind of like the Michael Hutchinson and and you know what the, the role that Johansson himself played for parts of two the last two seasons but um it's kind of funny because like just going back to Zhigalov I don't know why we're still talking about him but for so many years, the player that represented the draft class was like the fourth overall pick or the third overall pick or the second or the first overall pick. Or here is Newhook drafted 16. And now we're like, Ivan Zhigalov, goaltender, drafted at the very last pick of the 2022 draft. <laughs> and this is the guy representing the 2022 draft class for the Avalanche training camp. This is the guy we're excited yeah, about. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, very veteran heavy Group one, uh, Bednar did say they're eventually going to do some mixing and matching, but you know, he, he put the second group was a lot bigger. He put them all together and it was all the, let's call them nicely put the no namers plus the the depth guys, the couch, the Bowers, the Maltsevs, those kind of players, Sampo Ranta, uh, Eustace Andenen. He said a lot of those guys, they don't have times on them for, for their conditioning test. So they did do a whole ton of bag skating. That was at times hard to watch. It's always interesting and intriguing to see the, the players get bag skated there at the end. But it says to me exactly what Jared said he was going to do on Wednesday. He was going to treat training camp differently this year. Uh, he was going to you know give the players more rest and he was just going to not necessarily try to figure out what you have, but more or less just just get everybody up and running and ramping up. You know, I don't think Josh Jacobs or Ryan Wagner or any of these guys that are probably going to be AHL and ECHL players are here to make a push. I think more or less, you know who's going to be in the NHL, you know who's going to be in the A, and you know who's going to be in the East Coast. And it's a matter of just getting everybody ramped up and, and ready to rock for opening nights in 20 days. Yeah, and I think Jared Bednar, I mean, it's a natural development, right? I mean, he's been here long enough that it's gotten to a point where he doesn't have that many question marks on his roster right now. He kind of has pretty much an idea of what he's going to go into opening night with. So it feels like he kind of stuck those guys together and just even he, you heard it out of his mouth, used it more as a practice than a training camp. It wasn't so much getting guys back into shape, but more so let's just Pick up where we left off. Let's get back into these, uh, you know, defensive zone coverages, some breakout work. I think that's really advantageous. 
in my opinion, right? Not having to start from square one with a brand new group of guys. You just have a couple people you're plugging and playing. And I think uh, that's going to benefit Bednar here because, again, he gets to just jump right into a practice style and not so much a teaching style. Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest thing that we learned from this group, I mean, look, to go back to what you said on Jared Bender and what he has, I mean, this might, like, compare this to last year. Compare it going into, not the team that we saw win the Stanley Cup, but the team on opening night that we had last year. You had a second line of Nichushkin, Kadri, and Burakovsky. Uh, Nichushkin was the guy that eventually got the role that we sat there for weeks thinking, are the Avalanche going to sign Thomas Tatar to replace Brandon Saad? Are they going to bring in somebody else? Are they going to play Newhook? Well, they ended up going with Nachushkin. So he was kind of a question mark because we didn't know if he had it in him to be a top six guy. At center, you had Nazem Kadri, one year away from unrestricted free agency, coming off an eight-game suspension. You didn't know what you had there. And then on right wing, you had Andre Burakovsky, one year away from unrestricted free agency. You probably knew this guy wasn't. There was just a lot of question marks there. Well, now going into this season, I know some guys were missing and we're going to talk about that. But now going into this season, you got the top line, obviously, and McKinnon signs his extension. McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. And then you have Nichushkin locked up. You have Lekkanen locked up. You got five of your top six guys pretty much set in stone. No question marks. There were three question marks last year. There was one this year, and it's that center position. And that could be rectified pretty quick by the young kid on the team. So it just seems like Jared's got... A far fewer question marks this year. Even on defense, he had Eric Johnson coming off of, you know, the season in 2021 where he missed a lot of time and you didn't know what you were going to get from him. You had Bowen Byram who had concussion issues his first year. You didn't know where he was going to slot in and how good he was going to be. And then you had uh, Ryan Murray and Jack Johnson. Well, now you have a top six that is, you know, up there with the best in the NHL, in my opinion, the best in the NHL. Every single one of them is established. Every single one of them is ready to rock and roll. Every single one of them is healthy. And just no questions there. And in goal, it's very obvious. You got Georgiev, you got Francis. So it's a lot easier for him, and you just want a Stanley Cup, to come into this and treat it like a practice, knowing what you have. The biggest thing that Jared Bednar is going to use from training camp is filling in kind of those outside spots in the sense where, I mean, the Avalanche lost a ton of depth. You know, there's Burakovsky, there's Kadri, there's Nicholas Abe-Kubel. There's another guy I always forget about is Nico Sturm. So just right there, that's four forwards that were regulars in the playoffs that played quite a few games, if not all of them, gone. So who's going to take over those games? You're not going to have 12 healthy forwards the whole time. Who's going to play? Is it going to be Anton Blid? Is it going to be uh, Bleed, I should say, is how you pronounce it? Is it going to be Ben Myers? Is it going to be uh, one of the young guys? A lot of questions there. And then on defense, same thing. Ryan Murray and Jack Johnson were your seven and eight. Now you got Curtis McDermott. And who else? Is it going to be Brad Hunt? Is it going to be a young kid? Are you going to bring somebody eventually from waivers? Those are kind of the positions where Jared's got to figure it out. Those are all pretty solid names, though. I mean, that's one thing you can kind of, uh, you know, rest your hat on as an Avs fan is those are dependable guys. You're not looking for, you know, borderline guys or waiver guys from other teams. These are a healthy group of competitive forwards there. Yeah, 100%. And and uh, that's kind of what the Avalanche did. They went shopping for players that'll come for cheap. And, uh, you know, they got Rodriguez for $2 million, and that's a guy that's going to be a regular. They got Ben Meyer out of college, and that's a guy they're hoping to be a regular. And then uh, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Anton Bleed strikes me as the uh, Nicholas Obekubel replacement. 
Uh, and then you got Sampo Ranta looking to make a step. Like these are all established names. You're not necessarily coming into camp thinking, you know, is it going to be Martin Kaut who's played a handful of games in three years? Or is it going to be Shane Bowers who hasn't had his first career start? There are legitimate names there. And then there's obviously my most intriguing name of the bunch, Alex Galchenyuk here on a PTO, 20 points in 60 games, 21 points in 60 games last year. Um, what can he provide? What can he bring? Because right now he's he's getting a pretty good look with some skilled players. So uh, the competition is there for the depth guys. And as much as we want to think that it's silly to talk about that kind of a role for so long, in the end, it's the depth guys that are going to win you the Stanley Cup. Like, the most like the most fascinating thing that I learned watching and covering that Stanley Cup final last year against the Lightning is your roster legitimately, like legit, legit, cannot have one passenger. All 12 of your forwards. Who was the 12th most important forward on the Avalanche? Was it Abe Kubel? Was it Darren Helm? Was it Andrew Cogliano? Every single one of those three names, you can think in your head of two or three big moments, especially when you think about Darren Helm that they were huge in the playoffs. You can't have a single passenger. You can't have 11 established NHLers and no disrespect, but just using him as a random example, Shane Bowers playing the number 12 role, doing absolutely nothing with it or Martin Kaut doing nothing with it. Against Vegas in 2021, Sampo Ranto was playing in the playoffs and he was struggling. Alex Newhook was struggling at times. You can't have a single passenger. And these guys, this challenge right now for these players to step up and take on those roles is that important because this team knows they're going to need these guys eventually. Uh, we haven't had the chance to get into Alex Galchenyuk all that much. So since you brought him up, let's just jump into him now. Uh, you know, the news came out since our last podcast. I think it's a, a pretty good move because right now in the interesting cap world that we live in, you know, there there's some pretty solid PTOs across the league. And I think Alex Galchenyuk can be one of the most solid ones. I mean, there's I feel like he's kind of been loosely tied to the avalanche for years, right? He's a journeyman, and every yeah. time he's on the move, I feel like the Avalanche are in the mix somewhere. So it's funny to finally see him land here. I think they're going to give him a, a shot and have high hopes for him. I mean, we saw him skating today with Alex Newhook and, and Evan Rodriguez. So putting him with big names, really giving him opportunity. It's not so much like we saw with Anisimov where the first second we saw him skate, step on the ice, it was kind of like, uh, all right, I don't know if this guy's going to hang. Alex Galchenyuk yeah. looks like he can hang. Yeah, I mean, he's a speedy guy. He's fast. He's got a lot of skill. And like you said, this is a guy that when the uh, Montreal Canadiens were looking to deal him back in like 2016-ish range, the Avalanche were interested. Patrick Wall loved this guy and he wanted him. Uh, the Avalanche eventually, you know, obviously couldn't get it done. He had a 30-goal season in 2015-16. But yeah, he has bounced around. He was traded to the Coyotes where he had 41 points in 72 games in 2018-19. And then since 2019-20, so this is since Arif moved to Denver, he has been from Arizona to Pittsburgh to Minnesota to Ottawa to Toronto, back to Arizona, and now he's in Denver. So he's bounced around quite a bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like he's on the team. He's obviously on a PTO. He hasn't earned that position yet. But what you saw with the Avalanche today, we're going to talk about some injuries. Two of the forwards that were absent were Nachushkin and Merlandeskog. So let's go back to what I said earlier. You have five forwards under contract. Rantanen, McKinnon, Lekkinen, Nichushkin, Landeskog. Those are the five guys that you know are part of your top six. And let's just throw Alex Newhook in there just to make it easy. That's your top six. Well, without Nichushkin and without Landeskog, the two that replaced him were Evan Rodriguez, very obvious choice that I think throughout the entire season, if Newhook's your second line center throughout the entire season, Rodriguez will always be the first call up to the top six when there's an injury. And then the second guy with Galchenyuk. 
So the Avalanche, their lines today in training camp, the first line that they had, which was very obvious, was Lekkonen with McKinnon and Rantanen. And then the second line they had was Newhook with the two guys that were replacing Landis Gog and Nachushkin. Newhook played with Rodriguez and Galchenyuk. So Galchi's getting a, a, a shot right off the bat to play with top six forwards, to play with guys that are going to be point producers. And uh, when I asked Jared, Abed, Jared Bednar about him after the second session, when training camp was concluding today, he I asked him what he thinks he's going to get from Galchenyuk. And he was very honest. I don't know what I'm going to get. We're going to figure it out. But he's putting him in a position, unlike Anisimov last year, where he knows knows let's figure out if this is a guy that can bring what we need we don't need him to play on the fourth line with Cogliano and Helm we need a guy that can pitch in offensively in a pinch when we need someone to play in the top six or the top nine or on pp2 sometimes pp1 this is the kind of guy that he's always wanted to be he's a former third overall pick this is the kind of guy we're gonna see if he's got it so 28 years old really fast him Newhook and Rodriguez were flying up and down the ice I'm very intrigued by this opportunity for him, and I'm very intrigued to see if he makes the most of it. I'm confident he does. I think he sticks around just based off what I saw today. Um, I know it's just day one, and you know th- these are just drills. These are not game-like situations, but I-, I think he just fits in well. I mean, like I said, this is just a good year for PTOs, and the Avalanche might have just found another needle in a haystack is all. Yeah, exactly. And and in the end, if he ends up sticking around and not doing much with it, well, that's where waivers comes into play and you stick him on waivers. He, somebody picks him up. Great. Somebody doesn't pick him up. Well, he goes to the AHL, his contract gets terminated, whatever it may be. But you may as well give it a try. It's it's a very, very, not even low risk, but no risk. Like there's absolutely zero risk to bringing Galchenyuk to camp and seeing if he's got something. And if he works out, great. If he doesn't, well, you go to the waiver wire like you did last year for Abe Kubel. Uh, you go to the trade market like you did for guys like Cagliano and uh, you figure out who you need and and where you get him from but right now it looks like Galchenyuk's going to get that chance and judging by day one it looks like he'll stick we'll see what happens and especially in preseason games he'll get an opportunity and we'll see what he does with it sticking with group one and the injuries uh, you already touched on a few of them right Nachushkin that's no surprise the way he broke his foot we knew you know it'd it'd be a while for him to get ready Uh, Darren Helm we're not sure what's going on with him but Bednar said essentially he could possibly be ready by opening night. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but he did step on the ice in a non-contact, so that's good. Gabe Landeskog, I think that was worrisome. I, I guess we all kind of saw it coming, considering the way the end of the season played out, right? He gets in uh, surgery and jumps right back in the lineup. Never's out there for morning skate, obviously trying to yeah, rehab his that's knee. That's true. Um, Forgot about yeah, that. So, and then, of course, uh, you had Josh Manson out for personal reasons, so I don't think there's an injury there. I think he'll be ready to go once he... Um, is ready with whatever going, whatever's going on. But um, those, well, with Josh Manson, Jared Bednar did say that he and his wife are having a baby, uh, so he was absent today. That's what the, it's good personal reasons, not bad personal reasons. Uh, Josh and his wife are expecting their second baby. I don't know, obviously, if the baby was born as of this moment. Uh, but Jared said he could be back for day two, if not, then day three. So it sounds like it's just a waiting game to obviously wait for Manson's wife to give birth. Well, um, so that's good news. Congratulations yeah, to Josh so, Manson. Congratulations to Josh Manson. I know he's already he already has one young toddler, so this will or one young child, so this will be his second. Uh, and then for Landeskog and Nichushkin, yeah, Nichushkin, he did say similar to Darren Helm that tomorrow, as in Friday, if this is when you guys are listening to it, that Nichushkin will be taking the ice and he'll skate on his own. Uh, similar to Helm, no timeline could be ready, could not be. With Landeskog, he was very clear that this will stretch into the regular season. 
So Landeskog is going to miss some time. Does that mean he's going to miss a game or two or seven or eight? I think Devon Taves missed the first eight or nine games last year. Uh, very similar to that. We're not going to see Landeskog for a little bit, and, and that's okay. I mean, you win the Stanley Cup, that's such such is the life. That's what happens. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm like surprised that the avalanche haven't had more injuries like knock on wood they had a pretty decent playoff run in terms of injuries they played seven defensemen sam gerard got hurt halfway through the second round jack johnson came in and those guys went the entire rest of the way like you don't see that in the nhl you're supposed to use 10 11 defensemen you're supposed to be stocked up on depth on the blue line especially and the Avs just didn't need it. Like Ryan Murray didn't play mcdermott didn't play so on and so forth so i'm surprised that Coming out of that playoff run, we obviously all saw what happened with Nachushkin and his broken foot. That, you know, a banged up Darren Helm, Landeskog suffering from that lower body knee issue kind of injury, and Nachushkin's broken foot are ultimately all they have. And potentially, you know, not that I want to predict when, or not that I want to like speculate when he's going to come back, but like if it's only a month, then like by November 1st, you have everybody back. Like that's not bad. So, Landeskog will miss some time. We don't know how much, but that's obviously something that we will keep an eye on. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't look like he's ailing from anything, but of course, you just want these guys to be at their peak healthiness, right? I mean, I know Val Nachuskin, he's, he's a tough guy. I mean, we saw what he played through through the last couple of games there in the final. I don't, just crazy. I don't want him to have to tough it out right now, right? Wait till the playoffs. So take your sweet time with these guys. There's yeah. 82 games to get there. No rush with any of them. Um, and that that's usually my take on any injury because uh, I, I, as much as I appreciate that NHL players are willing to play at 75% health, it's just, it's just not the same. They can't bring the same thing to the table as they otherwise would in, with their health. Naz- Nazem Kadri says what? <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Nazem Kadri outside of that goal didn't do a whole lot in those last couple games. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, there's there's no reason to push it. Some Another interesting thing that we heard from Media Day on Wednesday was, uh, I think it was Eric Johnson, Gabe Landeskog, even Jared Bednar mentioned it. Like The guys talked about how they are pretty much well aware now that you don't win the Stanley Cup in the first two or three months. And don't force it. Don't push it. Like if you go five and five in October, which, you know, the last couple of years, they've had a terrible start to the season and everybody loses their mind and says, let's fire Jared Bednar. But if you're going to have a rough start to the regular season, it's fine. If Landis God can't come back in October or November, it's fine. Same thing for Nachushkin. Same thing for Helm. Same thing for these other guys. You don't need to force it. You don't need to push it. Last year, they didn't find their footing till January. If that happens again, who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild to see, I guess, that they have that luxury now, right? I mean, just the, the how far this organization organization has come in the last... Winning eases the mind, man. I swear it Every, does. And everything just seems to be on a, a completely different level, right? It's not just contender level. It's an elite, small group level where, yeah, you don't have to go into training camp teaching new things. You just pick up where you left off. Yeah, you don't have to make too many crazy decisions about who's making the roster and who's not. I mean, it's just such a... A uh, crazy thing to watch at this point, considering all the progress is made, where they are right now, and just the luxuries they have left and right, and and just how they're going to continue to be a contender for the next couple of years. You could just see it, and the, the attitude and the energy around the organization. It's just an elite organization right now. It's it's abs- it absolutely is, and I know the last three four years of this Avalanche team have been really fun. I mean, in, in twenty eighteen, they they snuck into the playoffs. They gave Nashville a run. In 2019, they actually won a series for the first time in God knows how long. And, and you know, 
took San Jose to seven games. In 2020, they were the, one of the best regular season teams. In 2021, they were one of the best regular season teams. In 2022, they were one of the best regular season teams and finally won the cup. So it's been a pretty good five-year stretch. But if you if you ask me, man, I'm looking at this Avalanche team, what they did last spring. I was going to say fall, but we're in the fall now. What they did last spring was the start of what we're going to see that's going to be fun. Like this is, it all begins now. All the fun stuff we saw for these last four years, finally seeing this team develop, seeing the team finally have a heart trophy candidate again and an 80 point score again. Like they didn't have an 80 point score for such a long time. They didn't have a 30 goal score for such a long time. Seeing all of the things we've seen the last four or five years, the starting point for the elite organization that is the Avalanche that are going to have these runs over and over again started like eight months ago. So this is season two of it, and and it's only going to get better from here. You know, the, the acquisitions of Manson and Lekkinen, like those were two guys you didn't know how they were going to fit in, and look where we are now. They traded two second rounders and two of their better prospects, maybe their two best prospects in, in Barron and uh, Hellison, and what they got for it was a forward and a defenseman that are both locked up for four-plus years. Two guys that were crucial in the playoffs. Manson had a overtime winner, was, was fun, was great to watch. He was a big... A steady piece on the blue line and provided offense. And and Lekkinen, you know, casually just scored the Stanley Cup winning goal and the goal that sent the ass to the Stanley Cup. No biggie. Like, just huge moments for both of these guys. And they were both deadline acquisition. So the team really has made those improvements. And, and what we're going to see now is that next step. Is it Newhook? Is it Byram? Someone else is going to take a step. They're going to join the rest of this team that has taken those elite steps like Nichushkin, like Taves. And... Uh, Obviously, we got to talk about the goalie a little bit, but it's it's only going to get better from here, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's a new standard, right? The bar has been raised. I think everything you need to know is in Eric Johnson's comments yesterday at Media Day when he, he you know, because we all saw how hard he went over this summer, right? I mean, he partied like his life was ending. And uh, it, it, I guess watching that, you're like, all right, at what point does he click back into regular season mindset? What point does he get back to work? And he even said yesterday, like, he was doubting himself at first. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back to work after this. This was so exhausting. This was so fun. But then he said that at one point it just clicked for him, and suddenly he was excited for the season again. Eric Johnson, with the the way what his body's been through and at his age and, and him saying that he's even reinvigorated to go get another cup just tells you everything you need to know about the mindset of the rest of the team. How much of a blast was it to talk to him at media day? He was so great. Like he was awesome. There was two things that stuck out for me. Number one, he was, he's always fun, especially when you put him up there with Gabe Landeskog, those two guys, the chemistry, those two guys have together is unlike anyone. It's, it's unmatched. And uh, you know, we were talking to Landeskog about the McKinnon deal and how it's great to finally get him locked up. And obviously Eric Johnson chimes in and goes, you know, now we can all focus on my extension. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing that because there was another thing related to that, that he said that like, kind of, you can tell he was making a joke, but he's got this, like this, he's very in tune with reality in the sense where look, athletes and professional athletes are, are a very competitive bunch. You can never tell an athlete that your time's up. Like, it's just not something that computes in their head. It's the same reason why, like right now, going into training camp, pick a team that's going to do nothing this year. I don't know, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Let's use them as an example. They got Ellis and Couturier out. You think Travis Konechny or Carter Hart or any of these other guys on the team that are healthy, Ivan Provorov, are looking at the, you know, 
cap friendly and looking at all the other teams and going, yeah, we're not going to do shit. No, these are competitive guys that are like, we're going to go in. Konechny's like, I'll, I'll score 60 goals if I have to. We're going to do this. We're going to put like it's a very competitive bunch. Eric Johnson's competitive, but he's in tune with reality. He was talking about the blue line and he was talking about how Taves and Makar you know, the best best pairing in the NHL, in my opinion, as he put it. And, you know, it's the opinion of pretty much 99% of the hockey world. Taves and McCarr, the best pair in the NHL. And then he mentioned to have the guys playing under him as Byram, Manson, and Gerard is also great. Those are three elite defensemen. And then he said, and then I'm in the bunch too. You mix me in. Like, this is a guy that's very in tune and very in touch with reality to know I'm the sixth best defenseman on this team. I'm the number six guy here. I'm playing with five really skilled guys. And I'm just here to be the veteran presence and do my job. So in that new role, this isn't a guy that's looking for 17, 18, 19, 20 minutes. In that role as the, as the number six defenseman, and obviously injuries happen. But in that role, he knows what he needs to bring. He knows what he needs to do. He did it for an entire season. And it kind of reinvigorated his career because he doesn't have to go out there and bang his body around for 25 minutes like he did for a decade while the avalanche sucked. What he did last year was what his body can handle. He played a ton of games. He barely missed any time. And if he can do that again, hey, maybe he does get an extension. It's, it's obviously not going to be for $100 million, But he's very in tune with reality. He's very competitive. He's reinvigorated his career. And that's why he felt the way he felt. Because he knows that he finally has a role that makes sense for him, for his body, for his health, and for the team. And at this point in his, in his career, he'd rather not leave Colorado. So I'm sure he'll take a league min deal if he has to, um, yeah. just to stay here. But it, I can't I can't see him sign anywhere. Yeah. If the Avalanche ever tell him you're done, he's not going to do that Marty Brodeur thing or that Henrik Lundqvist thing that went to you know sign in Washington then retired or Zdeno Chara. He's if the Avalanche tell him we're done, he's done. Yeah, and of course he's informed and in tune with reality because good chance he's a Hockey Mountain High listener, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, he has to be. But he he just he strikes me as the kind of guy that like if he has another season the way that he played in 21-22, it would be stupid for the Avalanche not to bring him back for a million million and a half. Like you're not going to get much better than Eric Johnson at that low of a cap number. Obviously at 6 million he's not worth it, but you know, obviously he's on the last year of his deal. The fact that he's going to play out this entire deal and potentially get another one says that he's he's had a successful run here. He won a cup, and he's looking for more. Don't forget about the unmeasurables. He's a locker room guy, and, and he's a big piece of the culture. Yep. And how many players in the NHL? I mean, look, we saw what Winnipeg did. Rick Bonus came in and took the C away from Blake Wheeler. How many guys in the NHL can you see that they a letter is taken away from them and they respond well to it? Well, Eric Johnson was the assistant captain. Well, alternate. I hate using the word assistant. He was the alternate captain of this team for so long. And uh, Jared Bender finally came in, took it off of him, and now it's Rantanen and it's uh, McKinnon. It's no longer him. He never wears the A anymore, and he's fine with that. He knows what his role is now. Why, why do you hate using assistant captain? Because it's alternate captain, and I always hate when I see the word assistant because it's there is no assistant captain in the NHL. It's alternate captain. I've been saying assistant captain since I was six years old. And it's wrong. <laughs> no way. It's one of those things. It's wrong. It's alternate captain. Says who? Where's the, the official Says, NHL dictionary? Look it up. It's in the official NHL dictionary. <laughs> Not Urban Dictionary. The NHL dictionary. Um, one last thing we got to get to for group one is Georgiev. You brought him up. Um, Alexander Georgiev, the brand new goaltender. It was fun to see him for the first time, my first time today. Um, first thing that stands out to me is his setup, of course. I like uh, the true brand, first of all, because it's made by Lefebvre. Those are my favorite pads, always have been. 
and uh, I like the design. And then his goaltending. I mean, tell me if you see he, he's a good goaltender. I like his movement. I like what he does. I'm sure a lot of people already saw my breakdown and analysis of his game that we posted. Yeah, good work with that, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Um, but I don't know if I see a glaring difference between him and Pavel Francouz, even stylistically. Like, they are very similar goaltenders, both in height and just the eye test. I mean, obviously, you break down the details, you can spot some differences, but they're very, very similar. I think I see a neck-and-neck race coming what I see from Georgiev, who they call Georgie, which, by the way, the name of his dad, Georgie Georgiev, is, <laughs> it's a hard name to say. <laughs> but what I see from Georgie is, number one, I know it's going to you, – you, he's got a very similar style of Francis, and I do agree with that. But he's got the swagger to him. He's got a fire lit under him where I don't know if it's going to be a neck-to-neck because – and I'm not calling Francis not competitive. I just went through that whole spiel about how every player wants to be competitive, and Frankie wants to be the starter. But Frankie's also aware of where he is on the avalanche death chart. He's also aware he signed a two-year contract worth $2 million per year. Georgie came in, got ten, uh, got over $10 million over three years, 3.4 per season. So Georgie, it sounds like he's going to be obviously the number one. It could be a neck-and-neck race, and I do agree with I mean, hell, Francis was neck-and-neck with – Kemper pretty much all season long in terms of stats too. Same thing with Grubauer, but he was always the backup. And that's kind of what I see here. And and my favorite thing that I notice about Georgie is the dude's got swagger, man. Russian goalies have a lot of swagger and, and he's got it too. Yeah. He's got a lot of I energy. see it. I see it for sure. But I, what I notice more so than swagger, I would say is attitude. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean it in like a fire in the belly sense, right? Bingo. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's he's there to get a job done. I mean, you, if you saw my piece, did you catch the part at the end where I said he's he's a no-nonsense mm-hmm. kind of guy? And most yeah. of that is directed at himself. He he holds himself to a, um, a high standard, and he wants to perform and, and be as great as he possibly can be. And you feel that just from, I mean, the short time that I got to, to speak to him today and with the whole scrum, right? It's not like I got a one-on-one. I know I think you did, but um, just from what I picked up from him, that it's 100% spot on. That's just who he is. Yeah, I do want to plug. I did get a one-on-one with him. I'm going to plug that. I'm, I'm going to write a profile on him for the Mile High Sports magazine. So catch that magazine in October in any of your local hockey shops. And it's a free magazine. And if you don't get it, I'll eventually publish it online as well. So you can wait for that. But talking to him, you can tell that this, like, he's ready, man. He's so ready. He talked about how in New York he had so many years where he didn't play a lot. And you're waiting and you're yearning to play and you want to play every night. And He's got that chance now and he's aware and he mentioned it. He was very self-aware and, you know, in tune with reality like EJ about like, I get to play every other night here. As long as you don't fuck it up, as long as you don't let the backup goalie outplay you, I literally get to play every other night. I get to be the starter and he's been waiting for that. He's only 26 years old and he is so different. His personality is so different than Darcy Kemper. And that doesn't mean he's not a nice guy. Darcy Kemper might be the happiest, nicest, most like huggable goalie he's like a golden retriever he's bingo oh man that's perfect (laughs) he's got the beautiful golden retriever hair too he's just i was listening to steve dangle podcast who you know he does a lot of things for media day the one in vegas with the nhl stars and he was talking about all the players he talked to and he went i've never met darcy kemper before and holy shit that guy's so nice and i'm like yeah like we hear we saw it here for a season he's such a nice guy so Georgiev's a lot different from that. Right. If Kemper's a competitor. If Kemper's the retriever, Georgiev's that angry-looking dog that you're scared to pet because you, you don't know whether or not he's going to bite you. 
But then when you go pet him, it, you find out he's a nice guy. Just don't piss him off, mm. like you said in your article, like one of his teammates once did, and it led to a whole bunch of shit. Tony D'Angelo. Um, but yeah, so Georgie's got that fire in his belly. He's 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 like aching for this opportunity. He's so young, man. He's 26 years old, and he's ready to rock and roll. Like I get more excited by the day about this kid and about the mystery box at the Avalanche having goal. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, when he gets his opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously last year it took Darcy Kemper a little bit of time to get acclimated. If you remember when Philip Grubauer came in his first season, he was like an 890 goalie before he went on that run in March. Like Bernier was the one that kind of dragged the avalanche into playoff contention until Grubauer went, I think it was like 13 and one in March and April, lead, you know, uh, capping it off with that game against St. Louis game 82. Uh, to make the playoffs and to break that playoff streak of, or that playoff drought, I should say. So it took both of those guys time. It might take Georgie time. It might not because surprisingly enough, the guy before them, Semyon Varlamov, it didn't take him any time. He was hot right off the bat for the Avalanche in 2012. And maybe that's what you get from Georgie. So I'm really excited to see it. And I'm, I'm super pumped for this guy. Like talking to him, you can tell like he's a guy that knows his numbers were bad last year and he's a guy that knows he needs an opportunity and he's finally getting it on a very good team with a stacked decor with the the mindset in the locker room that we just won the Stanley Cup and we're ready to go again uh, and that was one of the things he touched on I told him you know is there added pressure to join a Stanley Cup winning team and you know know that this locker room wants to repeat and he said absolutely but it's good pressure and and I think that he's ready to rock and roll with this. I'm so pumped from like just talking to him. Locker room access is back, and it's so great. Yeah, that was fantastic too. I'm just at a point. I mean, I'm excited for him too. I'm excited to get this team going. Um, that training camp just lost its luster. Like I said, I mean, the progress and the development of this team at training camp just isn't as interesting anymore. I, I'm already ready for opening night. I'm ready for the season training to get camp, going. Training camp. It's, it's the same reason why watching the NHL draft this year was like, w the Avalanche are past this. It's not about the NHL draft anymore because it was for so long. It was Duchesne and O'Reilly. It was Landeskog. It was McKinnon. It was uh, Miko Rantanen. It was Tyson Jost. There was always that next hot piece on the block. And even when they started to make the playoffs, thank you, Ottawa. They had the Bowen Byron pick. They had Alex Newhook was their own pick. Uh there was always something to look forward to in the NHL draft. There was always something to look forward to in training camp. There was always a a rookie or a kid, like when they brought in JT Comfort, the, that kid that's going to come from Michigan, or Tyson Jost, the kid from Nodak that's going to join the team. There was always someone you were waiting for, and that's gone now. Shane Bowers, Martin Kaut. I mean, we heard Jared Bednar today. He was asked about Martin Kaut, and you can tell he's basically saying this dude's got one chance, and it's this one, and if he doesn't take advantage of it, he's not an NHL, or at least not with the Avalanche. Training camp, the battles, all of that, it's 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 well past where the Avalanche are. Like, You know what's crazy is Tampa Bay Lightning fans, they feel that way about the regular season. Like, <laughs> Eventually, that's the next step where the whole regular season, you're like, yeah, none of this matters either, so... That's what good teams, that's what happens when you're this good for this long. And, and the Avalanche are just on the cusp of beginning their stretch of good play. And, you know, that's why the attitude was what it was today. Indeed, indeed. I'm uh, ready for it to get going and, and start taking some action again. I miss betting. I miss betting on hockey, Arif. And you can also bet on football. Don't forget about that. Football's back, right? And, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins 
or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and get started on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. You know, they say there that you don't have to be at the stadium to get in on the action. It's it's almost impossible to get into the stadium these days unless you want to fork over, you know, <laughs> half of your mortgage for the month. So, um, yeah, you got. And when you are in, and when you are in the stadium, phone connection sucks, and you're trying to take some action, and you can't. So you got to do it before you get to the stadium. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Just stay at home, sit on the couch, take some action with Superbook Sports, and watch. And listen to Hockey Mountain High during the one of many, many, many commercial breaks during a football game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, moving on, let's get to group two. Um, a little bit less exciting of a group, like we said, with the different structure of this year's training camp. Um, but still some people that we wanted to keep an eye on, right? I mean, we've been talking for a couple weeks of exciting training camp storylines, and some of those had to do with group two. So I guess let's just start with the simple who stood out. I mean, there's, a, like I said, a couple names that we think can be capable of breaking this NHL squad. Which ones do you think are closest to getting there? The biggest one for me is Samparenta. This is a guy that had an opportunity and and was a key piece of the Avalanche late in 2021 and into the playoffs. I'm not saying he did all too well, but he was one of the starting 12, him and Newhook. Uh, He's a player that knows that he pretty much let it slip last year, and he's a player that knows he needs to take that next step. We we talked to him today, and to go back to that competitive nature of professional athletes, he was asked where he sees his role in this lineup, and he said— or where he envisions his spot will be, you know, come October. And he said, I'm, I'm here to make this team. And this is a guy that knows the Avalanche just signed Evan Rodriguez. This is a guy that knows that the Avalanche are high on Ben Myers. A guy that knows Anton Bleed is going to be there as a depth piece. A guy that knows Alex Galchenyuk is here on a PTO. And he says, I don't give a shit. Not literally, but in his brain, he doesn't care who's there. All he cares about, he and himself. To him... The Avalanche got to release a guy from a PTO or put a good forward on a on a on waivers because Sampo Ranta was so damn good he's in the lineup. So that's where he's at. He's the one that sticks out to me most. I think he's the closest. I wouldn't say as much about Martin Cowder or Shane Bowers. Granted, those guys want opportunities as well. But to me, it's Sampo, and and uh, he's the one that's going to get the biggest look, and and I'm excited to see what he does with it. He's a goal scorer, and he said uh, he spent a lot of time in the summer watching Chris Kreider. He says his game mimics that of the Rangers forward and uh, he wants to make that next step and and he spent the summer studying a lot of video. If it doesn't happen at opening night, I'm confident it's going to happen at some point this season, right? I mean, there's always opportunities opening. There's always injuries to play around. So uh, all he needs is a a shot and he's got to, you know, maintain a certain level of play to, to keep that shot. But that's exactly how Jared Bednar works. And we heard it from him today at camp, right? You, you got to play well in practice to get games. You got to play well in games to get more games. That's as simple as that. He broke it down for you. Just do, do follow that formula and you'll get plenty of NHL time in your career. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sampa, you know, he's, he's a young kid. He's a young kid, but he's not as, you know, he's not the teenager he once was. He's 22 and, He's ready for a role. You know, he's 6'2", he's 200 pounds. Like, this guy is built for the NHL now. He's he's no longer the kid that you want to coddle and baby into the NHL. He's here to make the most of his opportunity. And, and I think, I honestly, like, I genuinely do think he's going to he's gonna be good this year. I know he wasn't too good with the Eagles even last year. He only had 14.7 goals in 38 games. 
but I think this is someone that's hungry for more and he's going to get an opportunity and do a lot better than he did when the Avs called him up last year. He played 10 games and was zeros across the board. Well, for every positive, there's a negative, right? And the negative this year kind of seems to be Martin Kaut because he's in the same boat. He's fighting for a spot, but definitely is not the favorite horse in that race. So um, Martin Kaut kind of starting to be a, a subject of a lot of conversation because he even said it himself today. He thinks this is his last chance. Jared Bednar confirmed with a, with a simple head nod. He thinks this is <laughs> his last chance as yeah. well to, to make the abs. So, um I don't know, just reading body language, talking to this person, talking to that person. I, I have the feeling that Martin Kaut, you know, this might be the last training camp we see him here. Yeah, I could see the Avalanche trying to offload him for a fourth or a fifth round draft pick unless he really turns heads or he might be a guy that goes on waivers and either A, doesn't get claimed or B, gets claimed by one of those teams with no depth right now, the Coyotes, the Flyers, so on and so forth. So um I don't want to say his time has completely passed him by, but I do think that it's getting there with the with the Avalanche at least, not not in the NHL in general. That makes me think. You remember when Liam O'Brien was you know a scratch and would get in the lineup for the Avalanche, and then the next year comes and he was playing like first line center for the Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, he was. Dude had a lot of penalty minutes. I think he led the NHL in Pims last year. It was it was nuts. So yeah, that's what happens when depth guys on a Stanley Cup team join a player or a team that just doesn't really have players anything else from group two stand out to you i mean i, I know we saw eustace and and i'm sure that was more just about i know i you know i know i said Jigalov might be a favorite for for the third string but it's yeah no it's in and yeah it's it's it's, it's for sure and yeah. i was just yeah. you know trying to have some fun and speculate and and i i like what i saw from Jigalov. so i think and still definitely the the mainstay number three and they're just trying to get him ready to play with the group that he's going to be playing with on sunday because they got such a weird setup on sunday playing two games yeah. talk about not competing yeah. with the nfl it looks like the uh, whoever was putting that schedule together and planning things just forgot to mark off a date where they already planned a game oops. and then planned a second. Yeah, it was probably the Vegas oops. guy. This the same guy that tried to uh, trade Dadanov, right? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Avalanche will be in Minnesota 2 p.m. on Sunday, but the Avalanche will also be at home at Ball Arena 7 p.m. Sunday. So uh, if you're looking for tickets to that game Sunday at Ball Arena, the first time back since the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, uh, hit up Twitter because there is a tweet that I retweeted from Mile High Sports from the official page where all you got to do is follow and like and, and you'll be entered into a raffle to win free tickets to Sunday's game. So get on that because right now it's only about 20 people. So you got about a 5% chance to get free tickets to watch the Avs. That's what's up. Free preseason tickets is the way preseason tickets should be. 100%. <laughs> absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, cool. Well, I guess this is also a perfect time to talk about our friends over at Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure. Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. You can look up drink recipes anywhere in the world. So I know a lot of people out there are saying, oh, well, I'm not even in Denver. How can I go see Total Beverage? Well, check out some of their Drink recipes, something you can whip up at home when you're bored on a Friday night, courtesy of Total Beverage. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, 
Arif, I know it's old news again, but you know, considering the rhythm of our podcast this week, we're just uh, slightly behind, I guess. But the McKinnon extension was signed. We're not going to break any news again, but um, we just want to get some thoughts and uh, anything you can throw out there to uh, just some food for thought that maybe we haven't heard elsewhere. All I'm going to say is something that I predicted, many people predicted, and not just me. I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> pump my own tires, but what I predicted yes, you are. A, few, a little bit, a few episodes ago when we were talking about McKinnon's new deal, maybe about a month ago, and it was, I think Pat Brisson is going to go out of his way just to get to 12.6 to say McKinnon makes more than McDavid. And that's exactly what he did. Fun fact, Pat Brisson also represents Connor McDavid. It's a smart move by a smart agent, one of the best in the business that represents a whole ton of stars, including Jason Robertson, who's unsigned right now. You get McKinnon, like I said a month ago, you get McKinnon to pass McDavid so that Austin Matthews can pass McKinnon, so that Kale McCarr can pass him, so that Connor McDavid can pass him. Leon Dreisaitl somewhere in there is going to sign a big deal as well. You got to break, you got to top the highest paid guy Push. to bring those salaries up. Bingo. Yes, we talked about it, and that's what I noticed. 12.6 is exactly that. Crazy part is, it's exact. number one, it's exactly double what he makes now. 6.3 to 12.6. Number two, it's still a bargain. McKinnon could have easily, like, think about it. Austin Matthews is already making 11.3 on his second contract, like his second contract coming out of his ELC. Nathan McKinnon just won a Stanley Cup, third contract, only 12.6. He should be making way more than that. I know the salary cap's flat for the next 24 to 36 months, but trust me, trust me, trust me. After the salary cap goes up, Nathan McKinnon is back to being a hell of a bargain deal. Yeah, he deserves to at least have a, a moment to say he's the highest played, paid player in the NHL. And, you know, it's always arguable. McKinnon, McDavid, usually McDavid falls in the number one spot, but McKinnon has the cut, McDavid doesn't. So, again, he deserves to be the highest paid player, even if it's just for a little bit. But that's just not who Nathan McKinnon is, right? We, we, we know that he plays hockey for the love of the game. The money is great. If he had to take league men, just like Eric Johnson, he would take league men. He's here because he loves winning and he loves that's playing hockey. That's true, but it also isn't. Well, yeah, look, the guy. Sure, sure, but listen, but that's what I'm look, saying. That's why he's not going to be upset in four or five years when that 12.6 isn't yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. at the very okay, top. Yeah. That's that's a good point. But I know. Look, we talked about this. We've been talking about it for years now. This is season four that you and I have been talking about this, and Nathan McKinnon has been on the same contract. The last thing you want to be in the NHL is someone who people look at his contract and goes, he's underpaid, and he knows he's been underpaid. He knows he hasn't been making enough, and he was sick of it. He was sick of that conversation. He like, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there was a conversation with him and Pat Brisson, again, one of, the, one of the best agents in NHL history, and it wasn't McKinnon telling Pat how much he wants to make. It was Pat saying, hey, Nathan, what are you looking for in his next contract? And Nathan probably just responding to be done reading about how I'm so fucking underpaid. You do the rest. When we asked Nathan, I think it was uh, Kyle Fredrickson asked him at the golf tournament if uh, becoming the highest paid player was something that he was that he sought after. He said, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's something I focused on. Maybe my agent. So again, it goes back to the agent. Nathan McKinnon would have taken 12.2. Pat Brisson said, hey, McDavid makes 12.5. Just beat it by $100,000. Another thing he did, I think I mentioned this last time, the most money that any one Avalanche player has made in a single season 
was Joe Sackick in the year 1998. He made $16.45 million. Well, how much is Nathan McKinnon making in years one and two of his contract? 16.5. He passed it by $50,000. So Nathan McKinnon is going to be the highest single. And by the way, that's second in NHL history. Number one, Yarmar Yager, 17.4. Somewhere in there, Sergey Fedorov had his weird signing bonuses where I think he made $28 million in a 12-month period, but that was split over two seasons or something like that. But Nathan McKinnon... In 2023-24 and in 2024-25, we'll be making the second most any NHL player has made in a single season in the history of the league. So Pat Brisson had some milestones and, and landmarks that he wanted to hit, and he hit them. And Nathan McKinnon got what he wanted. The Avalanche got what they wanted. They got their star locked up. And the last thing that I'll say is that 12.6, the salary cap next year is expected to go up by $1 million. When that deal starts, that 12.6 will be 15.1% of the salary cap. When Connor McDavid signed his deal, it was 16% of the cap. So Nathan McKinnon isn't even eating up as much by point of a percentage. whoop de doo yeah. But you really drove but my— Exactly, you, but five years later, five years later, and McKinnon isn't eating up a bigger portion. Usually it's supposed to go up, not down. You drove my point home, I think, by saying McKinnon would have taken 12.2 because that's exactly— I mean, you even heard it from him. He just didn't want to be talking about this during the season. So he just yeah. like, yeah, give me something fair. I'll take it. That was Bingo. fair. And then you're right. The agent stepped in and said, hold on. Let's go a little bit beyond that. Let's 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 go more than just fair here. Um, so yeah, I think and that's why I, you have agents. Yeah, they're they're there to do that. Exactly. So I think we're both kind of, I don't know, making the same, using the same evidence to to drive home different yeah. points. I guess we're, we're ma- yeah we're making the same point in the end. Yeah, I do agree with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um and break break. Um, I guess that is. All for uh, the meat and potatoes. Of course, our podcast this year, along with being more frequent, having some uh, other really big plans. I, I don't know. Should we get into them? You know, like the Sunday idea. We'll we'll we'll, we'll unveil them with we'll unveil them with time. Okay. Uh, right now, we'll start with this one. But yeah, a lot of cool changes coming. Uh, good changes, but kick it off with this one. Yeah. So this week we decided to do an uh, ask HMH. Not to be confused with any other letters, HMH is the order for Hockey Mountain High. Uh, we had some questions thrown out there in the Twitter verse. Um, Arif threw them out, a lot of responses. So I guess let's get into some of those, Arif. Um, starting with Navin Johnson. I'm not even going to read handles because they're they they can get confusing, especially this <laughs> one. How long of a leash do you think they give Gorgiev? The uh, as clear number one. Do you see it as more equal share of time with Frankie? If Georgiev struggles the way that Kemper and, and other guys have in the past, which, again, you have to remember, Kemper didn't have Fransuz while he was struggling. Frankie came back around Christmas, and, and Kemper had to deal with Johansson, so he played a lot regardless. But if 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 Georgie struggles early, I would say it's like a 60-40 split, with Georgie being the 60, because you have to remember, even if Georgie's an 890 goalie, he's going to have like a 10-4 and record because the Avalanche are that good. So... They're going to give him time. They're going to give him a pretty long leash unless it goes completely off the rails. Like he's an 830 goalie and he's like 2-7-1. and one. Like unless something like that happens, which I don't envision, he's going to get a pretty long leash because this team knows how long it takes for a goalie sometimes to get acclimated to his new team. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to give him a slightly longer leash. Like, like you know, I'm talking super slight. Like if it's a f- maybe a 53 53- 47 
type thing, right? Even if he does start if to struggle, struggling. even if he does start to struggle, he's still going to yeah. have that slight edge because that's that's what they brought him in to do. That's what they kind of want him to do. So I think he just has that a, a little bit of favoritism there coming into it. Yeah, absolutely. And and he was brought in to be the starter. And it's it's one of those things where similar to Kemper and Francis, similar to Gruby and Francis, even if Frankie ends up having the better numbers, the Avalanche know who their starter is, and they're going to go with that guy in the playoffs. Well, thank you for the question, Navin. Is Navin Navin? Shoot, I hate just I hate on, messing DJ. people's names up. <laughs> um, next question from Shock Doc. Uh, thank you for the question, Shock Doc. Which of the prospects makes the team to start the season, or is it too early to tell? Uh, too early to tell, but. You know, he even says Sampo was looking good, looked good during the rookie tournament. We talked about that. I think that's my answer. It's Sampo. It's it's the entire segment we had about those guys from Group Two. Uh, Sampo's the one that sticks out to me the most. Yeah, it, day one, anybody could have a, a good day and and a bad day, right? Maybe somebody who had a bad day today is going to come out and shine tomorrow, and and vice versa. So and, yeah, and at the preseason, you know, when when you actually play games right. as well, not just at camp. Exactly. So let's get through preseason and, and uh, make decisions then. And again, I say this all the time, but every year there's a surprise guy on the roster who typically doesn't last too long on the roster. And finds Nelly Akapov comes to <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Drew Peterson asks, how is Alex Galchenyuk looking at the early days of camp. If he does make the team, how do you see him fitting into the mix? Of course, so we I'll touched answer, on it a bit, but give us something different. Yeah, I'll answer the second part of that because how is he looking in the early days of camps? You know, we, we talked about that. He's looking fine, uh, but obviously there's a ton more you got to gauge before you give this guy a deal. Uh, and after all, we are three hours of skating into three straight days of camp plus six preseason games. So it's way too early to answer that part. But the, how do you see him fitting into the mix? It's, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit as well. He's a guy that I think the avalanche would want to use in a, in a pinch to play in the top six when needed, uh, but could also be that guy on the third line. You know, I can, I can envision a new hook with uh, Rodriguez and, or not, not new hook, sorry, Comfer with Rodriguez and Galchenyuk type of line or Comfer with Ben Myers and Galchenyuk. Um, you're going to need him the way they needed Ryan Murray last year or Jack Johnson last year, that when injuries happen, you can put this guy in and it makes sense. You're not bringing in a guy that's clearly a lesser skilled or lesser talented player. He's a guy that fits. He might not be an 82 game guy, but he's a guy that when he plays, whether it's a top six or a middle six, it makes sense. Earlier you had brought up that you kind of forgotten about Nico Sturm, and to be honest with you, I kind of did too. And looking at that hole in the lineup, right, that it's still a hole. I mean, they got rid of Tyson Jost. They had high hopes for Tyson Jost. They got rid of him, filled it with another void, got rid of that person, still have that void to fill. And they've still been looking for that role, and you know, perhaps it's Alex Galchenyuk that can come through and, and be that guy. Yeah, except Galchenyuk's got a little bit more of an offensive pedigree, sure. and uh, we'll just see what he can do with with an opportunity to play with such a good team. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't you say you would have liked to see a little bit more offense out of a guy like Tyson Joseph and Nico Sturm? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, cool, cool. Another question here. This one comes from Marie. She loves us almost as much as we love her. Do you see Alex Newhook taking over the 2C, or will you put Evan Rodriguez there? So we... Uh, we obviously didn't uh, go through these questions before getting to the segment, but we did answer that a little bit because I think Jared Bednar answered this question yesterday when he was very clear that Newhook's going to get the best look. 
without saying it, he did say that. And then he said Rodriguez is also in there. And then he said, in the end, we always have Rantanen. I thought it was great that he didn't mention JT Comfer because he wants JT to be your third line center where he belongs. But um, right now, I'd say if I had to predict Newhook is your opening night second line centerman, uh, will he be in January, February? Well, that's up to him and his play. But I think he gets the first look, not just in preseason and camp, but the actual first game of the season. Yeah, I anticipate we're going to spend a, most of the year with the Jared Bednar blender, right? Just kind of yeah, and trying yeah. out different things, seeing what works for playoff time. There's a different thing that you have to also take into consideration. Gabe Landeskog's not going to be ready. So if Rodriguez is the second-line center, Newhook's a second-line winger. If Newhook's a second-line center, you get the point. Someone's going to be there. Yep, indeed. All the more time to experiment when, you know, it's a hidden luxury i guess a hidden benefit of of injuries that now you get some time to experiment with with different combinations last question for hashtag ask hmh this one comes from anthony d in vegas is peter still going to join random pods this season he absolutely is so that's you know we've been planning our podcast schedule expect peter baugh two episodes per month and then in a pinch we'll use him here and there when we need him but um that's about what we were getting last year because he does have a very busy life and schedule, uh, you know, with the athletic and what he does there. Uh, great work and shout out to him also for writing a book. So that's going to be something that's exciting to look forward to. And it's, it's different from his articles. It's an actual whole ass book he wrote over the summer. What a guy, but, uh, yeah, he will be two episodes per month and look for potentially that and more. Um, we love having Peter on and We'll see him probably starting in October. Yeah, we're going to rename those shows the PB and JJ show, also including Arif. Yeah, just, yeah, I'll go fuck myself. PB and JJ. (laughs) But yeah, so this Ask HMH thing, it's one of the new things we're changing. Uh, Here's how I'm going to say it. Every episode, if we have time, we're going to get to questions. So don't wait for my tweets. Something comes to mind. Hashtag Ask HMH. Put it out there in the Twitterverse. Put it out on a Monday. We record on Wednesday. I'll answer it then. It doesn't have to be in the moment. It can be a timeless question. It could be something that comes to mind. It could be a suggestion, whatever it is, just throughout the season. And I will remind you many times by tweeting it. JJ and I will both. Hashtag AskHMH. Just send it our way and we'll get to it during the show. We want to involve you guys a lot more than we have in the past. And and this is our way to do so. Indeed, indeed. And of course, for those who didn't see my tweet, calendars are back calendars are back baby let me know where you're at and i can send them your way via snail mail it's the best way they'll yeah put a put a big old stamp on it and send it your way yep they're better this year bigger and better just like this season's gonna be for from uh the hockey mountain high podcast so thanks everybody for hanging out with us on this edition we'll be back uh, i don't know catch saturday catch sunday catch the hockey show on saturday that's one thing for sure that one's going to be big and and we're trying to do bigger things there as well so uh yeah everybody keep on trucking if you made it this far in the podcast (laughs) bless your pretty little heart let's make hockey for everyone we out you